All right. Hello, friends. How are we doing today? Welcome. Thank you for joining us in another episode of The Forge of Ideas. We have a very special and fun episode coming at you today. Something that uh, we've been working on for a little while, but uh, we're here. I am one of your hosts. My name is Max. I'm joined by our amazing and beautiful co-host, Al, Allie Allison. How you doing? That's me. I'm great. Happy uh, Saturday. Not Friday. Happy Saturday. How we? How was your week? Um, it has been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And just, it's that time in March where, is it in like a lion, out like a lamb? Is it snowing today or is it uh, warm and sunny? So. It is sideways snowing here <laughs> in uh, southwestern Ontario, Canada. Oh, I'm just going to put this fat dog up on the... Up, oh, get up there. Okay. Sorry about that, everyone. Okay. So, we are super excited to bring to you today, we're going to take a break from all the craziness of the world, Um, you know, we are blessed to still be here and speaking, bombs haven't dropped, we haven't been annihilated by nuclear or biological or chemical warfare yet. So that's a blessing, right, Al? Just our brains are slowly melting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know what? We're going to pull away from the craziness that is the current times, and we're going to bring to you a... Uh, what, what's Lighthearted and interesting... A, yeah. Um, compilation of ideas that will, if you can, set aside some of your previous... Um, thinking, just just pause your mind for a moment and, and have a listen, have a think, and then have I'm, a little wonder about some of the things that we'll, that we'll present. Yes, yes. Yeah. Let's let's pretend that most of what we were taught and told um, could potentially be inaccurate, if not completely wrong. So if we can take that perception, just open your mind for the next uh, probably two episodes. It's going to be, it's a long, it's a long grind, but it's fun. It's a really fun story. And in my opinion, it is a great perspective on a potential alternative history to our planet and to our existence as human beings. Um, So without, you know, any further ado... We will be speaking about the reptilian alien agenda upon our planet. And not only that, but we're going to cover the ancient history of said reptilian species and some of the ancient history of our solar system and our um, galaxy as a whole going back, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of years. So let's pretend that all of this could be true. I mean, we all watch amazing sci-fi movies and shows and we go on the adventure with them. Yes. Thinking like, oh, what could you imagine? Like Inception, what an amazing movie. Imagine that was true. Limitless, imagine that was true. You Mm -hmm. could take a pill to unlock, you know, all of the access uh, of your brain that we are currently not able to access for some reasons. But Hey, we're going to get into that by the end of this uh, this story. So, yes, the reptilian agenda, the alien reptilian agenda um, on planet Earth. So here we go. Uh, 
just to get into it real quick, we're going to cover the reptilian species that we will be talking about. And I just want to make it very clear that here on Forge of Ideas, although it seems to be the common trend and of most things these days, we here will not paint all things with the same brush, okay? So let me just preface this entire episode in case there are any reptilians listening or are any people from other planets listening. Hey, you never know. You never know. This is just radio waves, one of the simplest forms. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, as we know, they travel mm-hmm. through space. And we're getting radio waves from all over the universe right now that we... Uh, you know, can't ex- well, we can explain it. We just don't know what it means or where it's coming from yet. But that's a whole other side of uh, of all of this. So, yes, we will be talking about it mainly. Um, malevolent species of of reptilians, but not all reptilians from this species are evil or have nefarious purposes and. Not all reptilian species are nefarious. So hopefully if we do get to the point where we get to meet some of these other species um, in the in the universe, if any of this is true, we'll be able to know that, like, you know, we don't have to hate on all of them because like humans and like even yeah. priests and, and, you know, politicians and child writers book writers like there's evil in all of these people and there's good in, a, in everyone so were you thinking of someone specific when you no. mentioned child's book writers like authors you well mean? i'm just like to I, be, i'm just teasing to be like- a grown man to <laughs> just constantly pump pump out children's books and then just want to be surrounded by small children reading them books like well mm. into your old age i have to question maybe some of the motives. No, I'm not saying anything uh, I, particular. Yes, <laughs> you got me. Guess way off task here. Okay, so here we go. We're talking about the Draconians or the Drax, otherwise known. Um, they are from the star systems of Orion, Sirius, and Draco. They are reptilian, obviously, so they are cold-blooded, scaly skin. They can uh, range in um, uh, various range of colors from brown to uh, green and sometimes red and other different types of uh, brighter colors. But that's not so important. More importantly, they are built to fight. They are warriors. They are very muscular, usually tall. Um, they, this species in particular, they say has three digits with a thumb, long claws. The males are seven to nine feet. The females are six to seven feet and they smell fucking terrible. Apparently they smell so bad that they can use it as a weapon, right? They have no emotions, so they're non-emotional creatures and they are Staunch believers that they were first in this universe, which, as we will find out, it's seemingly that claim is true. Uh, But they think, therefore, because of that, the universe belongs to them um, and they feel superior to every and any race and especially towards the humans 
for some reason they just have an incredible disdain for the human race down to the point where they literally teach their children that we are the scum of the universe, that we are a plague upon everything. Um, And as we find out, they find that they learn that they can actually feed upon us and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it would make sense, you know? We don't, farmers don't name their cattle. Right. Or their pigs or their goats. Oh, or their bunnies, or yes. anything that's going to be eaten, you don't name. hmm That's generally a farm rule. I don't know. I grew up working on a farm out here in southwestern Ontario. But that was kind of the rule, man. So... What is their overall agenda? As this story will explain, but I'll give you a quick synopsis now. Their agenda is basically to rule the entire universe. Because as I just previously mentioned, they feel superior to everyone because they were the first with space flight. They are, from what I understand in my research and from what other people have said, they are basically the oldest known species in the universe. Um, So that's pretty intense, man. Um, Let's see. Fear and weakness is a aphrodisiac to them. So they love that kind of shit. And through their conquests and control, um, sorry, with their conquests, they end up... Being successful through using methods of control from uh, manipulating certain individuals and uh, systems from the inside. Okay, they are, like I said, billions of years old. They have mastered gene manipulation. Um, yeah, etc., etc., etc. What else do we got here? They, uh, okay, so their technologies, quick synopsis. Uh, they have organic crafts, um, ships, which they say is programmed with a dark consciousness. And they can shapeshift their, conscious, their consciousness through dimensions to project into a body um, that they want to control. And they do that by using low vibrations. They do that by instilling fear. Uh, fear is the biggest one because fear literally shuts down your immune system, uh, shuts down emotions, shuts down almost everything. Like it's it yeah, is yeah your critical thinking. I mean, if we think of the past two years and yeah, how and maybe nervous or uh, frightened, especially the way that the media has been portraying social circumstances. Right, yeah. Um, it's hard to think clearly and problem solve when Absol- you're feeling scared. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the dark consciousness, I know Al had had asked me about that previous. And that is something a little bit hard to put a definition to. I mean, we're, we can't pull up any scientific evidence for... 
for most of these claims. Uh, some of them we definitely can. There are. As we progress through the story, I will definitely make sure to make a note and let you guys know of the things that I know of that would back up these claims that do exist in current science and understanding. Um, but yeah, the dark consciousness, I mean, if you're religious or spiritual in any way, okay, let's just take religion for the first example. That's any type of, you know, good and bad, evil, demons, fallen angels. Um, if you're an ancient astronaut theorist, the ones that keep perpetuating fear, fear, attack, attack, mm -hmm. then you could believe then that a, the dark consciousness would be an evil Alien presence, and not that we are uh, masochists in that way. Like, we don't here like to think that everything is horrible and bad. And But that is a, pers that is a perspective a lot of people within the um, community of, of extraterrestrials, especially seemingly the shit that makes it on TV, always seems to be perpetuating fear, right? Like... We don't know what they are. They're surrounding the ships. Ah, they can attack at any time. Like, well, the unknown can be exciting, but it also has an element of unknowingness. Yeah, right. But you got these guys like Bob Lazar and right. and fuckhead from Blink One Eighty Two, and and all they're doing is like chirping about alien invasion. They're going to annihilate us. They're going to annihilate us. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. And we have to remember. Uh, Vernon Von Braun on his deathbed told his closest associate, his secretary of like 36 fucking years, told, him, told her that the final false flag would be a false alien invasion. So let's keep that in mind. In real life, in case anything like that does happen, we cannot take um, the initial information at hand especially when we see this like countries and, and governments spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on fighting myths and disinformation right mm -hmm. now passing laws yes. that out that ban it and like but who is deciding what is myths and disinformation this right. is a very dangerous dangerous slope this is what jordan peterson was warning us all about Back in 2016. Yeah, that the well, the words that you choose are important, and that discrepancy was over. It wasn't a discrepancy. That um, the the issue at hand for from what I understood was that it the government wanted to pass in Canada bills about um, what words you would be required to use. Yeah, and that starts as you had said, Max. It's a slippery slope. If you ban certain words and require other words, you are censoring people's ability to express themselves freely. And that and should you're just not talk, be taken lightly. And you're just talking words. I mean, they're yes. talking about ideas now. Censoring yes. ideas. Correct. So yes. what are we going to end up in? Guys, watch A Brave New World. Read A Brave New World. Mm -hmm. Ideas lead to creativity, lead to outside thinking. So all of a sudden you're not eating the pharmaceutical pills every day and engaging in soulful, meaningless activities all the time. Mm -hmm. huh. But this is all great that we're talking about this because this really does pull into this entire reptilian agenda. Okay, because the last line I have here for the species is 
And most importantly for us to understand is they feed off of trauma. Okay. It literally makes them stronger as if they can like, think of it like an RPG. The more Mm -hmm. trauma you induce, the more XP you get, and then you can level up. That's what they're doing. They're just getting stronger and stronger. If we take a look around and we see the common theme of a victim society that we live in, everyone is now jumping onto some sort of trauma train to fly their fucking victim flag. Are you actually a victim? Maybe. I mean, there definitely are victims out there. I'm not going to diminish any sort of situation people have been in. However... I'm sure we all know of people who have jumped on a trauma train and leaned out that window with whatever flag, and they're flying it, and we can see certain people in that group, you know, propping them up on a pedestal for doing Mm -hmm. such things, but there's also people around them that know that what they're doing is is not true. Right, it's not representative of the, the, the person's character or their needs, Right. On on a genuine level. I think here it's like everyone wants to belong. And we used to live in societies that were more homogeneous. So your sense of belonging to the group that you were with within society was nurtured as you grew. But because of uh, the sense of individuality and I might say entitlement yeah. um, that people have been leaning into or, and it also encouraged with a lot of social media as well. Um, encouraged to express themselves or to find a group and to um, explain themselves within this sort of victimhood. It's interesting that you yeah. say that because I can remember, obviously, Al and I are older than I don't, well, according to the the stats that we're seeing, we're older than than some most of the majority of our of our of our listeners, if not the same age. So, uh, that being said, I mean, when Facebook started, when Instagram first started, it was very much um, encouraged to share things to, and everyone was very receptive. Everyone was very, you know, you would generally only comment on a post that you saw that you liked. Nobody was saying bad things. And then all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, it became a tool of of divisiveness, like, and we all know it. I mean, you, we, or maybe we don't all know it. It doesn't. Either way, maybe it's something. If you haven't realized, you could, you could maybe look into because unfortunately, what social media does really well is is capture you in in echo chambers, right? Where you're just kind of hearing the same ideas and the same confirmations of of biases all the time and the second you hear an idea that doesn't go along with your thinking or or your group thought mentality that you're a part of then all, all of a sudden that person is not only just wrong without a conversation but is attacked but we're off we're not quite off topic but more to the point they feed off of trauma so our point is, let's take a look at the world. Man, oh, man, we've just been getting pitted more and more and more against each other, right? I think we can all agree about that. All right, so let's roll right into this. Um, 
This information comes from a fellow by the name of Robert Morning Sky. Okay, he is part Apache and part Hopi. Please listen to just our last episode there, number 14, where I broke down Lee Brown, who was also a part uh, Apache, part Hopi, who gave a great speech about ancient prophecies that seemingly are definitely coming true. So please check that out. But anyway, Robert Morning Sky. Um, the story starts in 1948, okay? Robert Morning Sky's grandfather and five other Apaches were out on a hunt in, a, in the early morning, and they came across a crashed UFO. And inside was a being which was... It, very human-like, let's just say that, okay? Wasn't 100% human-looking, but definitely looked human enough to pass for human, especially if you were a person with, you know, manners, <laughs> and you weren't rude. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could pass. Anyway, so this being was was injured, and the six fellas... Um, they were Hopi. They were Hopi, Hopi tribesmen. Took this humanoid-like um, individual back to the reservation, and they nursed him back to health. Like they helped him to get better. And during his time there, while he was getting, you know, nursed back to health, the elders of the tribe obviously had lots of lots of questions, and this individual. Um, whose name is Beck T, let's just say it, Beck T was his name, okay, so as Beck T was being nursed back to help, um, he was sharing information and the stories of our history, of our galactic history, and more importantly, the history of this planet specifically, and obviously the elders of the, of the tribe had lots and lots of questions that they asked Beck T, that he was more than happy to answer. So that is where this story comes from, okay? It's important to then realize once Bekti was uh, nursed back to health, the natives gave him a backstory, a human backstory, in which he was, you know, gave him a name, gave him where he was from, like, where's his family type thing, all that stuff, right? Covered all that ground. And Bekti then integrated, left the reservation and integrated into our society. So we don't know what their lifespan is like. Bekti could still be out there roaming around to this day. Bekti, shout out if you're listening, man. Come on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are your thoughts now? You got any thoughts on that quick little intro about where the info comes from? Any any comments on, you know, native prophecies and stories? And oh, well, from, from I would imagine that, um, I mean, from what I have gleaned, that um, native culture uh, has a lot of oral tradition, storytelling. Um, so information is passed along by sharing words and sharing thoughts. Um, I mean, certainly sharing um, emotion, that feeling of helping another creature uh, to heal, to get better. That's some quality time that you would be spending. So my way of thinking is there's uh, there's nothing that 
sparks a particular flag in my head to think that. Um, Other than wasn't. oral tradition is held in the highest regard within those communities. But yes, but I guess more I was thinking like Bakhti shared, instead of sharing artifacts or technology, Bakhti, from what this sounds like, was sharing stories. stories. Right, information. Mm-hmm. And to touch on your point exactly, um, the prevalence of, of verbal stories in these communities of indigenous First Nations, Native, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, myself being a Native, Haudenosaunee, and from what I've understood, even though I was adopted, I'm doing more research into, you know, my peoples, but it goes like the, all the information comes through verbal storytelling. Right. And every year... There is a gathering of chiefs from different tribes, and 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 every year they tell their stories to make sure it has never changed from year to year to year to year. Mm-hmm. That's how they make sure it doesn't become a telephone game. Right, right. <clears throat> right? And the only other thing that sticks yeah. out... It, oh, Sorry, just me. to finish that yep. thought, is because they understand that... Anything written in any type of form can be destroyed and disappeared forever. Yep. However, verbal stories and the verbal tales can never be destroyed if they're kept, um, their integrity is kept throughout generations. With knowledge keepers who are then... um, Exactly. Given this task, I mean, it's an important one Mm -hmm. of of maintaining and uh, uh, the... Traditions and the story. I mean, we think of stories in Western culture as being perhaps they might have been based in a truth. You think of like Grimm's fairy tales, right? Like that sort of right, right. Northern German, Germanic, even weren't those based off of? Well, they were tales to to of of warnings. Really, if you think of the traditional uh, fairy tales, were warning of ways to be so that you didn't get hurt. Like, think of Little Red Riding Hood going out in the woods by yourself at night. Maybe not the best plan. Like, right. if you're hearing animals that are According bigger than to you... Who, well, that, they're traditional stories. I understand. So I couldn't tell but, you... But who. weren't they based off of, like, actual folklore from, like, the Polish yeah, area? Oh, yes, there's many different traditions from what I, I understand... Um, I, Grimm's fairy tales is just one that comes to to mind. Yeah. But, I mean, you can think. But of, perhaps fairies and leprechauns and these sort sure. of things are real. Also, they're just could exist in oh, a different dimension. Y- yes, we're getting a bit off topic here. But moreover, I just uh, meant we're that way what, off, we're what off Bechti all topics was, What Bakhti was topic. saying, there was no reason for the audience the that he to was question. with to question they right. were they were listening. and actually and that was real information to them they didn't need physical proof because of right. their exactly sorry to tie this and yeah. wrap it all in well my i just wanted to make one other point in that um yes. it sounds like from what you have shared about Bakhti's experience about being healed and helped by the group that of people that found him um was that he in a less um, he was cared for by the Hopi people, yeah. As opposed to poked and prodded at and used as a science experiment, which I'm not. I have no evidence that that's what Western culture does with things that they find, but that's what I'm leading 
have been led to believe is true that That's we why dissect, yeah. right? We dissect and no, it's a great and point. take take apart to f- that that um, the body is a machine model um, d- to look at the parts. How do they fit together? How, how is it the same or different than what we already know, the information we already know? Um, and in this case, that did not happen. I, it sounds like there was care, respect, a mutual respect. N- neither did um, the Native people do harm to, and neither did Bekti do harm right. to, the the, pe- the ones that they were with. And that shows well, it, a certain level of, of understanding, or at least a commitment to try to understand each other. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because... Um the reason why these okay, so this was 1948, guys. We have to remember that this was pre um, Area 51. This oh, was pre point. Corona crash, right? right? Yeah, that whole yeah. big thing. This was pre that. And as far as the elders have said, um, when asked why they didn't report this, it's because they said they they had known of other tribes that have reported similar events and the government basically like you said just swooping in yeah taking everything away including the being right and being and then that tribe being told to basically shut the fuck up and never talk about that or you know we'll make like being or threatened consequences. being threatened yes yes, yes that's being not very threatened. kindly so they learned very quickly that there was nothing in it for their communities to report things like this actually there was far more in it for their communities to help these individuals mm-hmm. and man we should all be so thankful that first contact this individual could have been first contact of this of their species. Um, as we go on to wax, well, we never actually find out if it is or not. But like, could you imagine first contact of another species coming here, crashing that individual being in dire need of help and having humans come like really great, amazing humans come across them and then help them Mm -hmm. and say, here's medicines from the earth. Here's, you know, all the things, because we know natives are very, very, very much. They know all the shit. They know what roots to eat. They know what petals to eat. They Mm -hmm. know what seeds to eat, all the things, right? Um, They don't prescribe to, pharmaceuticals or or anything like that unfortunately we know there's lots of addictions being pushed onto them Mm -hmm. um that's a whole other topic but yeah so yeah good on you for bringing that up because that's a very important point to bring up that there is really nothing at all in it for the indigenous communities to report this to the government they just end up you know, being told that they're idiots, like, no, you didn't see what you saw <laughs> type of thing. But, mm-hmm. like, they're spiritual people, man. They're one with the earth, and they understand. And, and there's so many different indigenous cultures that are based off of beings coming from the sky and landing and sharing knowledge. So, all right, guys, so our story starts... On a place called the Green World. It is located somewhere in our galaxy. It is the original homeworld of the reptilian species that we will be discussing throughout uh, this and probably the next 
podcasts. It is said that they were evolved from dragonflies. They're humanoids, so obviously uh, bipedal. That seems to be a very common trait within um, bodies that souls choose to inhabit. They seem to be humanoid. Sorry, that was a big statement to make as I'm rolling through here. Okay, um, so they're called the Keb. Let's call them the Keb. That's what I understand them to be called. So within this story, that's what we are going to refer to them as the Keb. Okay, so they're on the green world and the Keb species eventually rose to power on the world. Okay, and they had a... Uh, a patriotic, patriarchal king-type r- ruling for tens of hundreds of maybe hundreds of thousands of years. We, we're not sure, okay? But let's try to keep timelines out of this story because timelines, especially when it comes to this story, can get a little bit dicey, and I'll be the first to admit that. So let's forget that. So there was a huge war on the planet, okay? Um, and the Keb ended up being ended up beating most people, well, all of them, and became the most dominant species with on the planet. What ended up happening was um as things kind of cooled down because the Keb had taken control, um, they ended up turning uh, their cutthroat war tactics into business tactics. And the reason that they did that is because they realized very quickly that enslaving um, individuals was not sustainable at all. So what they decided to do was come up with a monetary system in which the population would enslave themselves um, while they could just essentially be left alone to govern and do their own thing, all the while paying tribute to the rulers, the cab. Okay, so they they figured this all out, and they implemented this on their own home world. Now, our entire story today is about the reptilian influence and agenda here on our planet. That's where we're trying to get to. We're talking millions of years ago, on the green world. Right. Yeah. With the first evolved species, essentially. Because there's no proof that I've heard of or I've come across in my research that says anything other than this species was indeed the first evolved, the first spacefaring species. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. Okay. So they were ahead of everybody. Right? So, in... Implementing all of these measures, control through a monetary system, um, peace ensued. It was pretty easy as uh, literal wars became uh, wars in the business room. Okay, assassinations and murders were still a very common theme. And as most, um, what do we want to say, corporatocracies... Um, one family in particular rose to dominance because if you're good at business and it's become a business world, guess what? As soon and Keep here it in the family, well, here we can see the birth of that elitism mm. mentality of like, okay, we're the first family to get a whole bunch of money. <laughs> ah, there we go. As soon as one family gets yeah. a 
the majority of the money, well, then all of a sudden they become dictators of all things within society in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Rulership by money. Cha-ching. Look around, people. What are we doing? Going to work every day to make someone way more money than what we get. But yet we're doing the thing or making the product right. that that company is then selling to make yes, or the profit. Yeah. But if there's someone at the top that makes, you know, that one CEO, if you took everybody on the floor of a factory and added all of their salaries in a year together, it probably wouldn't even come close to what that one guy at the top makes. Mm-hmm. And let's just be honest, anyone who works in any type of factory or in any sort of manual labor job all can just take a step back, listen to what I just said, and know that to be true. A hundred percent. All right. So after these cab had their own home world locked down and they had figured out all their own, all the shit to just make it run uh, easy peasy and still get all the benefits. Right. They obviously eventually set out to conquer some new lands. Um, First, obviously being the moons of their own worlds, which makes sense, right? They're the closest. So they went there, they established uh, mining grounds, and then from the mining grounds, they built colonies. Um, and then from there, obviously, they they pushed out even more and started to explore the planets of their own star system, doing the same thing, building colonies, Uh, creating mining systems. And in by doing so, they created the first association of reptilian worlds. And this was, as far as I understand, the first solar system community ever. So that's pretty impressive. All right. So obviously, once they had, you know, explored their entire own uh, solar system, they started exploring outside of their solar system and conquesting and capturing new civilizations um, using the same methods that they had mastered on their own planet. So, and we have to remember that you know they were so far advanced that whatever civilization they came across was inferior to them technologically wise so one could easily assume that you know as an agrarian society you see all these crazy ships pull up and then like smaller ships come down and and you know beings come out and start talking to you about shit that you don't know like you would obviously easily think that they could be gods right <laughs> potentially well this is where the whole ancient alien astronaut theories have originally started and created creativity in our minds right right exactly so the the thought of that being potentially true yeah, and I mean, and and because of that fact, it made it very simple for the neck to take over these civilizations and societies because it probably most of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, wasn't even a war, wasn't even any resistance. They just rolled in. These people saw their technology, saw what they were capable of. And just were like, well, you must be our god. You must be the creator. And they were like, yeah, do this now. 
and they just did it <laughs> happily. They installed monetary systems. They installed mining systems on these planets. All the while, these planets happily, dutifully doing their work while paying tribute, mm -hmm. knowingly or not, to this greater empire, right? Just very important thing to uh, to to mark off there, okay? Um, so, as time went on, I mean, we're talking tens of hundreds of thousands of years, um, them conquering different planets, expanding outwards, expanding outwards, they obviously started to run into some resistance with other civilizations from opposite parts of the universe who maybe were not as old as them, but were quite close. At least they were spacefaring, right? At least they had learned uh, certain capabilities of weaponry and armory, things like that, to the point where it wasn't just simple conquests anymore. They weren't just rolling up to a planet that was like people were, were just like, you know, hoeing a field with a fucking stick, and everyone's just like, tra-la-la-la-la, you know? They started running into people that were like, yeah, cool, we have spaceships too. What makes you so special? And then they were trying to implement their right. shit, and Be then these... Be are beings, though, we're not... We're, not we're talking about uh, other, other other species. species. Yes. Other species yeah. with it. Yes, they started to run into other species that were advanced enough to give them problems. And right. wouldn't just we're just not we're not suggesting that all things on other planets are humanoid. No, I didn't say humanoid at all. I'm talking about their expansion. Yes. And for a long time, yeah. every civilization they ran into was like very much under their technology level. Yes. Right. Yeah. But the universe is fucking huge. And there's other beings in other parts of the universe who yep. are close to the age of, of this species who eventually, as they spread and spread and spread, ran into each other. Right. But the spaceships of the neck didn't impress these species because they also had spaceships. So right. they immediately weren't like, well, you must be gods. They were like, so what? Right. You got a little bit cooler spaceships than we do. We know you're not gods, and that was where, like, friction started to happen. Right. Is because until that point, it was super easy. They just rolled over these civilizations, right? More the point. So, uh, so at that point, it could have just stopped and been happy with the amount of the universe that they had already conquered. But because they were, you know, this warring, you know, fierce reptilian race, it literally is not in their DNA. And you'll see how that plays into us and our DNA later in this story. So at this, at this time, because they were running into so much problems um, with their expansion, they decided to ask the females of the species... Or, sorry, not ask them, but allow them to join the military ranks, the females. And quickly they realized that the females were far more fierce, far more quicker, and, and literally far more ruthless, let's just put it out there, than the male of this species. And not only that, um, 
because they had evolved with um, parts of dragonfly lineage, they the females of this species kept the ability of flight. So they could fly, which the males could not. Obviously, that's a huge fucking advantage. Um, and their venom was far more deadly. So the males of the species, um, let's just say us as humans, they say if they spit the ass, their, their venom in your face, your eyes would melt. Mm-hmm. But you would live, like your face would probably get all burnt up. Your eyes would, yeah, you'd be blind. You'd have no eyes. But the female's venom, if any little bit of it got on you, or even if you inhaled the fumes of it, it was instantaneous death for any organic life. So, I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, maim or completely annihilate almost any organic life. So we have to remember at this point, or sorry, I haven't mentioned, but I should say at this point, and and much before this point, sorry, as the Keb were rolling through their own star system and then they started expanding into other star systems, conquering those star systems all along the way, they were instilling uh, the females to be the administrators of these worlds that they had conquered and then moved on from. So it was up to the females to stay on these planets and make sure that the the civilizations, the species there were just dutifully doing their thing and that all the tributes were making their way back to the main empire, okay? Um, so then they introduced the females to, into the military. It changed almost everything, and they, whatever resistance they were running into became no more resistance after introducing the females to the military. Okay, so obviously at this time, the females, the queen in particular, starts to realize that the males of the species really aren't doing anything. Are, are not doing as much as the females, I should say. So that incites our next part, which is the Queen's Coup. And now a word from our sponsor, Mr. Bill Gates of the Bill and Melinda Foundation. Also brought to you Gavi. Hello, useless eaters. As your unqualified, non-elected global human health overlord, I'd like to take this opportunity to flaunt my position of power and influence over society and share some of my plans for you and your future. When I amassed my fortune in computer software, I demonstrated that I was willing to lie, steal code, cheat my partners, and exercise monopolistic control to destroy my competitors. Now that I've retired, I can rebrand myself as a humanitarian. With my for-profit foundation masquerading as a charity, I can advocate for population reduction and sponsor mass human experiments with unproven vaccines in vulnerable populations. Like my father, a powerful banker, eugenicist, and Rockefeller crony himself, it's always been my ambition to decide who lives and, more importantly, how many have to die. Whether it's under the guise of climate change or world health, it's really all about controlling and culling the human herd for fun and profit. 
In November of last year, I hosted Event 201, a war game simulation of a global pandemic. Leaders from private corporations, global banks, governments, and the media got together to strategize ways they could align in lockstep when responding to a worldwide health crisis. Using a coordinated campaign of fear-mongering, intimidation, social shaming, and economic blackmail, we realized that we could get around dangerous philosophies like individual liberty and national sovereignty. With an obedient population, we would be free to implement our own top-down solutions like forced quarantines, social distancing, contact tracing, and mandatory testing as a means to seize technocratic control of society. Now imagine my excitement when we had the opportunity to release, uh, declare our own global pandemic. It was my chance to look like the Nostradamus of public health and to position myself and business partners like Dr. Fauci as the de facto authorities on response and solutions. Through exaggerated doomsday scenarios and computer simulations, our petty control freaks instituted harsh rules and draconian lockdowns. Even after our dire predictions proved false, scared and well-meaning people continued to submit to the arbitrary and foolish demands of their so-called leaders. Having achieved global lockdown and medical martial law, we will continue to hold hostage your ability to congregate, work, travel, or do just about anything until we're prepared to roll out our bigger plan. I like to call this Pandemic One, because believe me, we have others in the works. Our final solution is to have you begging for us to vaccinate, tag, and digitally track each one of you like livestock. Not only will my foundation enjoy legal immunity and trillions in profits, but these mandatory experimental vaccines will move us so much further down the road to absolute centralized global control. If only my good friend Jeffrey Epstein had been here to celebrate with me aboard the Lolita Express. So remember, global citizens, this will end when I say it ends. Could be a year, maybe two years, maybe never. I guarantee that if we have our way, it will be at least until you're not able to do anything to stop it. Just surrender your personal freedom and common sense to our fear merchants in government and the media. Because none of this works unless you all go along with it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to do some augmented reality spirit cooking with Marina Abramovich. Bye now. Thanks, Bill. Always terrifying. And now back to you in studio, Al. Holy shit, Bill Gates. Thank you for your uh, expertise and your sponsorship of this amazing podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that. So we're going to head right into the Queen's coup. So as we were talking about earlier, um, the Keb, this reptile species had taken over uh, not only their own solar system, but they started branching out. They put the females in power. Uh, They started running into resistance from other civilizations. They brought the females in as, you know, mercenaries, as, as military personnel. And the females quickly realized that they were doing fucking everything. So that leads us into the Queen's Guys, I just want to say, um, think back to that that uh, Bill Gates um, promotion and um, everything that he said within that. And where we're going with this whole agenda. 
maybe there's some similarities. Ha! <laughs> maybe. Okay, so um, earlier in the story, we told you about how after the green world was conquered, there was one family that rose to power after it became a business-centric uh, world. Okay, so the queen, the the matriarch of that family, okay, she is the one who ran this coup. So what happened was um, she quickly rid of high-level representatives, right? Quietly, boom, 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 got rid of them. The king's family members, uh, close associates, most trusted allies all quickly and mysteriously vanished, okay? Now, the people of these claimed worlds started to hear about this, right? Because you can't keep this kind of thing quiet forever. People started to realize all these important figures, males in particular, were disappearing. So what did she do? She then staged a false flag, potentially one of the first false flags ever in the universe. We've heard the term false flag so many times. Recent in recent memory, yes. Well, in the last twenty years, for sure. Right. More in the last yes. five years, right. for sure. Yes. For yes, sure. Yes. Yes. So the queen stages a false flag, okay, and tells the population that there was an attempted coup upon her and the females that were running the administration and... And the military. And the head of the military units at this point, okay? So she said that there was a coup against the females of of the empire, all right? Um, it was a complete false flag. She was running the whole thing. But by doing this, she got the population on her side of all these different worlds, and they believed her. So that gave her an open door, right? A complete open door uh, to take complete control. And she house cleaned the fuck out of everything and took total con- 100% total control. Damn. So now the empire is not only run by a queen, but... Um, has female administrators running every single conquered world already, and all of the heads of the military are also female at this point, right? So we have a 100% female-run empire Mm -hmm. at this point. So, moving on, after all that had kind of settled and the dust kind of settled, they shift shifted their resources and focus on pharmaceuticals. Really? Pharmaceuticals out. I can't. Yeah, man. All right. Does this surprise you? I didn't I'll see be, it going yeah. in this direction. But if but you, now that you say it, it actually makes sense. I, I mean, why, why wouldn't it be? I just was thinking. I mean, we're, we're talking alien agenda, reptilian agenda here on our planet, in our society. Yes. In our culture. I mean, this happened millions of years ago, potentially. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to put timelines, but definitely millions of years ago. Um, so, yes, they started after everything had settled, right? So... 
Now they had taken care of all the resistances, uh, conquered them, right, with the female um, military individuals, and then those females had risen up to take control. They already had female administrators, so everything was kind of set, right? We're all good. So things calmed down, like I said. They then focused into pharmaceuticals. Um, The first big pharmaceutical adventure being um, trying to get more military effectiveness, more ruthlessness, uh, things like soldiers not having to sleep as long, etc., etc. So from there, they moved on to mind manipulation. Mind manipulation. And they made, they refined this method and they standardized this method of mind manipulation. Okay, so the first, uh, what do you want to call it? Inclining or first, first version of this mind manipulation was done through electromagnetic stimulants. That makes sense, right? If you think our brain is just... You know, we're not sure what the brain is, to be honest, but it is a thing that sits there in water and it's all electrical charges that fire through our brain, right? Well, also the parallel is that we did that as well, the human species. If you think of Dorothy and Oz, that was in the era of electroshock therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. You're right. But see, the thing that they figured out is through electromagnetic stimulants, they were able to create a reward and punishment system. That that adds another layer. (laughs) At the base level of this, they were able to create a reward and punishment system based on electromagnetic stimulants. Big, 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 big shit. Damn. So then... From there, they advance to be able to do that from a long distance. So, a long distance control. And as we will find out later in this story, the moon has a big part to do with that long distance control through electromagnetic stimulants to inflict that reward and punishment system. Man, this is big shit. Like we said, we're talking about the implications of all these things on our planet. So that's where we're getting, that's where we're going to get to at the end of this story. So let's keep all of that in mind, okay? So, uh, and then from there, they advance to basically having a physical, like, lab intervention uh, type technology where they would literally implant or inject things into you that would have the same effect, right? Because that's, Obviously, technology kept advancing. Um, Okay, so... All right, so with their new development of these implementations of, of control and manipulation, they went on to create literally an empire of slavery and death. That is how they like to brag about what they've created. That's how they themselves refer to the collective that they've made it. It's a collective of slavery mm. and death. <laughs> that's some that's some crazy shit. Um 
Obviously, they mastered things like mass drugging. We can think of things in our own world right now, like fluoride that was introduced by the Nazis. North American governments didn't start doing that until after Project Paperclip. And we integrated all these Nazi scientists into our own, um, what do you want to call them, What's the word of institutions? Mm -hmm. And they started propagating ideas like just put fluoride in the water. That's right. what we did. The mass mass drugging. It makes everyone docile and you know, pushovers essentially. Mm -hmm. Stop drinking fucking tap water. Stop drinking bottled water, also, man. You gotta get some good water. And we gotta think of uh Aluminum iodide being sprayed in the in in the atmosphere. Yeah, just examples that are, of things that are actually happening right now. That could have come from said ideas, right? So, the queens, as they the queen, as she started to really enjoy her reign of power, right, and 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 started putting all this money into pharmaceuticals they had mastered all these things that we had just talked about um so the next step was basically to make her life better and to make sure that her and the female reign would continue as long as possible right that's the thing that heather and brett talked about in their book about um i forget what they call it but it's like if you have money and you have a child, obviously you're going to want your child to do better than the neighbor's child. So there's oh, the, the competitiveness. Right. But there's a bias there that's in our DNA to be like. Right. To care for the ones we're related to. to. To give as much resources to your own child just to be more better than the child across the street. Mm -hmm. Many parents maybe listening to this would say, well, yeah, obviously. But maybe you could look at it from a different perspective and be like, you know, and there's many angles to look at it. Maybe the child across the street, those parents don't have the resources you do. So maybe by just like giving extra resources, your kid just to be better doesn't make that your child better at anything. More money and, and shit doesn't make anyone a better person. Right. But what if you, like, gave the equal amount of money to your poor neighbor across the street as you were giving to your own son? Uh, some of it has to do with potential and, and interest as well and what we value collectively and also as a family unit. Yeah. But in this case, with the... With the queen, right? She wanted to make her own life more comfortable. Right. And she wanted to ensure the matriarch society, like the matriarchal power to continue. Okay. Um, so what So what she ended up doing was putting more resources into gene editing, in particular to the males of their society. Okay. You mean and, gene editing like CRISPR? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gene editing, yeah, their own, and in particular, like I said, the males. Right. So they started fucking with the males' DNA of their own population so that the males would never grow up to overthrow the matriarchal society ever again, right? 
That was one of her main goals. So in by gene editing, what she did was she reduced the lifespan of the males Mm -hmm. so that they never grew... A, they never grew old enough to be weak, so they were always um, utilizable in a military aspect. They also never grew old enough to learn enough things right. about the past. They would die before. Just say, you, you, oh my God, you learned about the past? Well, guess what? You just died. And the other more thing, well... The other thing that maybe some of the women listening to this podcast might be able to like, woo, we got some woo girls out there might get on board with, but the queen wanted all the men to be young and sexy and muscular for her own sexual pleasures and for her uh, daughters, the princess's own sexual pleasures. Right. So there was never an old haggard dude around. Everyone was young and vibrant and sexy and muscular and fit. Yes, so that- but you see parallels of that in different societies around the world and throughout time on Earth. Often. Yeah. Harems, example. Yeah, exactly. Sex slaves to the queens and princesses. And like I said, they never grew old enough to actually learn the truth of what had happened. Right? Because, like, we're probably, like, thousands of years on here, right? Um, to, To push on that point I just made, the queen also put a lot of resources into um, creating... A like ne- never aging, never dying type of thing, mm-hmm. but they can never come up with a pharmaceutical that would make you live forever. So instead, what she did was put money and resources and scientists into clones. So that was the first step. She started making clones of herself so that as her body parts started to fail, she could replace those body parts with the clone body parts, okay? So that allowed her to live uh, much longer than than other people. So right away, all the populations of the civilizations on all the worlds that they had conquered were like, okay, well, she doesn't die, first of all. So, like, that elevated her one step up to being, like, deity status, okay? Mm-hmm. As time went on, and as their technology grew, they learned how to transfer consciousness into new bodies. So she had these brand new young clones of her, and once they figured out the technology to transfer her consciousness into anything... They just, as she started to age, they would just transfer her consciousness into a new, young, sexy clone of herself, and she would continue to rule. So at this point in history and time, all of the peoples on all the worlds that they had conquered were now viewing her as literally a deity that would never die because she literally seemed like she Mm. never aged and never died. Right. So she was a young, sexy queen at this point forever. For through like hundreds of thousands, if not maybe millions of years, the same queen, right? So obviously all these people were super fucking... 
benevolent. (laughs) We're just worshipping this woman. She had turned herself into a demigod at this point to the rest of the already conquered civilizations. And that brings us to the end of the Queen's Coup part of this story, okay? Of this reptilian species. So we've covered how they, you know, advanced on their own planet, how they conquered their own planet, the things that they learned to come into complete control of their own planet, started to move out, implementing and fine-tuning all of these ways that they had enslaved their own planet through a monetary system, through a, um, the mind thing, what they were, oh, the, uh, reward punishment system Mm -hmm. that they had put on, implemented through, uh, various techniques. And now we're at the point where they had mastered genetics. They had mastered all of these things where she had become, an entity then never dies because she never did because they could technologically move her consciousness into a brand new, fresh, cloned, you know, 30-year-old body. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 20-year-olds. 30-year-old bodies are better. <laughs> <laughs> so the Queen's cue. So that's the Queen's cue. Any thoughts? Al, any thoughts oh, on the Queen's Coup? I, I mean, like I said, it, but there's a number of parallels between the development and spread of um, this particular group's way of managing and controlling others that we can see within our current social context here on Earth. Absolutely. And I mean, me personally, when I listen to this story and I look at the situation the females of this species were in, I totally understand why they would want to take over and be like, man, you guys are just sitting around being fat cats doing whatever the fuck you want while we're doing all the administration, we're winning all the battles, you know, we're doing all this shit. So I get that. But man, did they lean hard into some some pretty questionable things. All right, guys, so the Queen's Coup, we learned all that really cool shit. I have to touch on a species that the uh, the Keb Queens ran into while they were doing their conquesting, okay? I'm just going to touch on this a, a quick little bit here. Um, just the prevalent parts we need to know for this story But we plan on digging into this much, much more in our next episode after this uh, two-part reptilian alien agenda special episode. And it will be all about dogs and the serious dog star and, um, you know, stories through time and history about dog entities, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, with that being said, I need to mention a species that the Keb Queens came across during their conquest. And they are called the Wolfen. And they are from the Dog Star series. 
they're from that um, that star system. Okay, so what I what we understand about them, they are very strong. Obviously, they have spacefaring technology. Now, the cool thing was, is when the Keb Queens ran into the Wolfen, they were the most fierce opposition that they had ever come in, run into up to this point. Um, the thing that makes the Wolfen very, very unique is that they learned early on how to um, mine, they learned how to mine asteroids before they learned how to mine their own Earth, their own planet. Now, there's a question as whether they could have mined their own Earth and they just chose not to because they knew of the consequences of doing that and they chose to just skip that stage and go right to mining asteroids and moons in their solar system. There's a debate. Well, how, what do you think? Oh, I I think that's a logical... Well, from our perspective now that on Earth that we have fracked and mined and polluted so many parts of our planet, maybe we are having that feeling of regret, like we sh- maybe should have been kinder to Mother Earth. Maybe that's how I'm feeling. Um, yeah, that's fair. That... I my only question in in the thinking of preserving the planet for the sake of mining asteroids is how would one how would a civilization have access to the resources that you generally get from mining to That's, build the technology that you would need to get to the asteroid well that's where the controversy comes in and right. I don't think from my research and from what I understand um, this is what we know of so far, and even this is obviously conjecture. All of this is conjecture, but we're on a fun little adventure here. Um, one, sorry, one could easily say perhaps you know they were mining their own planet, obviously to a point, but then very very early realized that they that they could mine asteroids as a as opposed to mining their own planet. Now, some could say easily, perhaps they had the knowledge right from the get-go that they didn't have to mine their own planet, and maybe they found ancient technology on their own planet that allowed them to skip that part. You know what I mean? As we understand of our evolution here on this planet, it comes... Uh, usually new energy source is followed by a new transportation source and a new communication source, right? As we covered in one of our past podcasts, we went through all of those stages. So perhaps the wolfin species came across some technology very early in in their existence as a species and got to skip a couple levels. That's another theory. Either way, the story goes that they knew well enough not to fuck with their own planet. So they immediately went out and started mining asteroids. Now, because they were one of the first civilizations to master that, they also are the only civilization to master 
Um, after they had finished mining the asteroid, in the center of the asteroid was hollowed out, they would then make the asteroids into spaceships. See, here's the very cool thing, and this is what sets them apart from a lot of the other, all other species, because as far as I know, they're the only ones who have ever mastered um, creating a natural thing into a ship. Now, that comes obviously with its detriments, right? Um, I bring this up because I find it very interesting that Amuamua, that weird cigar-shaped uh, asteroid that came through our solar system in, I think it was like 2015 or 16. Maybe Al wants to check that out for us here. And it was like a cigar-shaped rock, and it came through our... But it changed, it slowed down, it changed speeds, and it changed uh, trajectory at one point that scientists couldn't put their finger on. Now, some in the most recent times, some scientists have said that they believe it was a ancient artifact of some sorts. Perhaps it was a satellite, an ancient satellite of a distant... Um, you know, civilization, but with the knowledge of this Wolfen being able to use asteroids as spaceships and they mastered um, using natural trajectories of natural space rocks and debris to their advantage. So they could come in with like a thousand ships that look like just like a part of like a busted up space belt or whatever, and they would come into a solar system and it would just take orbit in the solar system. And it's a long game. That's what I mean. They go around and around slowly, right? In this orbit of the sun to the point where like they'd be in the system for years and years and years and whatever advanced civilizations on planets around that sun they're not ships. You're not picking up technology. You're not because they learned how to slowly use this and then they'd close in and then when they were close to the the planet, they would just go zoom and and they'd all attack the planet without the civilization of that planet even knowing because they thought it was just asteroids floating around, right? That's ingenious. So that's the biggest point. Camouflage. That's the biggest point we need to take away from the Wolfen because there was a giant war between the queens and and the princesses. Eventually, um, it got to a stalemate. So the queen, the queen's army, which was much much bigger, proposed the Wolfen clans a very good proposal, which said. Basically, join us, but you have to... Re- all of your lands, all of your your conquered worlds become a part of the Keb um, reptilian society. And all of these worlds have to pay tribute to the queen and her beings. Um, the Wolfen also had to then fight for the queen in whatever war she demanded them to do so. Uh, they obviously had to give all their a- 
all the access to their technology. Most importantly, she wanted that technology of of using asteroids as starships because that was something that they couldn't do because yeah, they just couldn't do it. So, um, and in return, the Wolfen would get not only complete immunity, but all enemies of the Wolfen would become enemies of the queen and the Keb. What do you call it? Empire. Um, which was a huge thing for the Wolfen because they liked to fight and they hated their enemies. So that was basically the biggest check mark for them to sign on. So yeah, they became they made com- an alliance. Yeah, well, yeah, they became complete bitches of of the cap because they were given a time. Sorry, they were given a time limit in which they had to respond to the queen. And that time moment came, and the Wolfen clans asked for more time because they weren't, they were still hashing out details. And the queen said, I gave you one deal. And she basically, she has a, a, a starship, like um, a Death Star, with, and she blew up one of the Wolfen planets with the majority of the Wolfen leaders, like basically their home world, like where their UN or whatever you can say is, blew it up, annihilated most of the leaders, and that was like, and then the rest, whoever was alive from the Wolfen scattered clans at this point, obviously pledged allegiance to. Yeah, I don't know how I almost left that out. That's a huge part of the story, but <laughs> yeah, she just it's okay. All right, guys. So we're gonna leave it there for this episode. The first episode. This might be two. This might be three. Man, this is um, this is some pretty in depth, exciting stuff. There's so much information here that uh, we really don't want to rush anything. We'd rather take our time and make sure we hit all of our points. So that we incite some thinking and, and you know, some excitement, perhaps. And I hope some of you are listening to this and feeling like, God damn, could you imagine if this is real? Like, this is, this is crazy. And please, guys, listen to the next one of this because we're, we're at the end of the Queen's Coup. Uh, and we met the Wolfen clan and why they are so important, all right? The next chapter of this story is earth and the soul system the sol soul system that's what it's called okay our earth system that's where the next part of our story takes off who comes here who's here first why they're here who comes next we're talking wars and battles on in other solar systems we're talking interstellar refugees that come and you know fill this system with life we learn why this solar system is so important we learn why the reptilians need and want control of this system mm-hmm. we're talking stargates we're talking underground civilizations breakaway civilizations everything when we come back with the rest of this story it is unbelievable and it's so fun to track this stuff and 
you know, just let your mind think that it could possibly in the slightest, even 1% be true, man. Can you imagine? Could you imagine how this changes everything? It everything. certainly makes um, many more possibilities of and potential for the future for all of us. Yes. So coming back, uh, we might do another episode in between as we work on this. Because like I said, I, I really, really, this is not only our first alien episode. And people who know me and know me a long time know that I have been adamant about aliens and, and my experiences and the representation. I know they're here. Lots of us know that we're here, that they're here. And, um, yeah, please tune in to the rest of this story, man. It'll blow your mind. And this will not be our last episode on aliens. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going with this, and hopefully you guys like it. Any last words, Al? Um, you asked about the asteroid, the Oumuamua. Oumuamua, yeah. 2017. 2017, right. <laughs> I'm sure we all remember it was that weird little cigar shaped asteroid. Yeah. Anyway, if you don't know about it, check it out. And uh, we'll see you um, next time in this story with the discovery of the Earth Soul System and uh, exactly what went down and what refu- interstellar refugees ended up coming to this solar system. And the deals that were made in order to create who we are. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, we love you. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. Al, any final words? No, that was it, love. All right, bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Forge of Ideas. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors, tell your dog. We really do appreciate it. And we just want to leave one last little note here. In these crazy, crazy times, uh, we know things are completely unrecognizable out there. But let's not lose our humanity and spirituality. Let's treat our friends and family and neighbors with respect. Let's get back to a place of compassion and understanding uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than we love you all. And, you know, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's up to us. It's up to us and nobody else. And uh, until next time, friends, be safe. We love you. God be with you. Take care. <laughs>